0: and sacred moment uh with the lord i could feel that couldn't you and just because i'm talking to you instead of praying with you doesn't mean that we break the sacred moment right there's a there's a uh vertical aspect of the sacred moment and there is a horizontal aspect yes um, and so just a, a few things about our, the horizontal, our fellowship, our community together. Um, first off, if you are a visitor, would you take a moment and um, just fill out this communication card? Let us know that you are worshiping with us. Uh, it, we uh, won't spam you with stuff, we just want to uh, say welcome and uh, um, offer to uh, answer any questions, connect with you. If you are, have been a member here for 20 years, I invite you to fill out that communication just to let us know that you are worshiping with us. And on the back is the prayer requests. Do you know that we have a, a team that faithfully every week prints out, or uh, types out your prayer requests, and there is a group, a prayer team, that is praying for you, that's ministering to you. So go ahead and fill that, uh, any prayer request that you would have on the back, and you just drop that in the offering. Also, if you're new and want to find our welcome uh, center out there, you can connect, and uh, we'll answer any questions that you have about our community of faith. Um, This Wednesday, we are starting our kingdom courses. Um, If you're new here, we gather, we share a meal. Um, It's a phenomenal meal because Marsha Matheny is cooking that, and she is a cook extraordinaire. Uh, So I look forward to Wednesday evening meals every time. And uh, we have two courses that are happening. One is Financial Peace University University. And uh, many of you have heard of that. Dave Ramsey helps us to take our finances and um, begin to use and steward them in a biblical way to understand what that looks like. The other one you might not be as familiar with, missing Jesus. And if I can just do an introduction like this. If you had the opportunity to have coffee with Jesus and he said to you, my time is limited, He wouldn't say that. But just pretend if he said, my time is limiting, I will give you one question. What would that question be? Just think for a moment, what would that one question be? That's the premise of missing Jesus, is that we're we're asking Jesus some of the most challenging questions, like Jesus, We get that God is a good God. Your father is good. Our father is good. Why are there things like hurricanes? Why are there things um, that hurt so much if you are good? So we we wrestle with some of those. Encourage you uh, to join and uh, sign up for Missing Jesus starting this Wednesday. And we talk about all different questions like that. Build relationships. Meet new people. It's a wonderful time. Um, And then finally, we have our second week of Kingdom Partners. Had a great uh, kickoff. If you are new and want to find a little bit out more about the ministries of the church, we're actually um, our second week. Even if you missed last week, it's okay to come this week because we're going to have our staff, mostly our staff, and share about their ministries and um, how you might get involved in the church here. All right? Let me pray for our offering. Father, we do love you and we thank you for your sweet presence that you grant us. Lord, there's something incredibly beautiful about the, the, the gathering of your saints. I'm so thankful that I get to experience you personally and individually, but there's something that I'm so thankful for that's different as a community. To experience you. You are welcome here. In our hearts and minds and our souls. Lord would you take these gifts and offerings. As we give them back to you. Just a a representation of worship. uh, a, A way in which we can give back to you. Would you receive them. And multiply your kingdom work. In this hurting world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. In the two of them, there's a little compilation video, real short. I just thought I would show it real quick. Let's see if we can pull this off here. of humor, I guess. I mean, anybody who likes my sense of humor, I immediately like. <laughs> I needle her a little bit, and we just took to each other. I sat next to her at Nancy Reagan's memorial. can't remember where else I sat next to her, but, you know, I probably have a few ice cracks, and she seemed to like it okay, and when I saw her, it was a genuine expression of affection. I love that. I, I think that's awesome. I, I think it's a, it's a, a picture that's uh, across political lines and racial lines and, and gender lines. We, we have, especially in a climate this uh, today, uh, especially a political climate, of how divisive things are, how, how critical and cynical so much of what we see on television and in the news and on the internet and the, the lobbying back and forth. And it's not just in the political realm that, that we see all this negativity, right? We, we generally, there's not many models of just a true right relationship And friendship, despite having differences, it seems like differences hurt, divide so quickly, rather than people really staying united. I was thinking of businesses. You know, it's the rare business that's really faithful to the worker, and the worker is faithful back to the business. In the old days, I'm told that, that, that people used to work for the same business for long, long times, for... For 30, 40 years, they stayed with them. I was thinking about this in sports, how sports have changed. I remember when Brett Favre was leaving Green Bay. Now, as a Bears fan, I was like, yes, right? I mean, who knew Aaron Rodgers would be amazing, right? That was just really horrible. But even as a Bears fan, I'm like, what is Brett Favre doing leaving Green Bay? That that's not right. That, that, that shouldn't happen that way, right? He should be a Green Bay Packer, right? Where, where's the loyalty? Where, where's the unity? Where's the commitment? My generation is the generation where divorces began to happen at at the the rate of divorce hit 50%, right, in the nation. And so my generation, as Generation X, that most of my, 50% of my friends growing up were from divorced family. Didn't used to always be that way. And you know, if you look at the church, would you say that the church is different than culture. I'd say no. I'd say no. I'd say this is one of the instances where we see that rather than, than the church having a positive impact on the culture, we're seeing the culture impact the church in these ways. I've been mentioning this book, uh, Francis Chan, Letters to the Church, and he tells the story of, his, um, uh, of this beautiful work of God. They, they plant a church with a group of about 30 people, grows, and he's the story of success and, and books, and he's being asked to uh, read. And yet, as you read the undercurrent of his story, just before he leaves, he says, and, you know, within my church, there was a, a mini exodus of a number of people. I thought, man, Francis Chan's church, the, the picture of that, this mini exodus. remember reading confessions of one pastor. He's one of the largest churches in the United States, a, a picture and a model of a, a successful church, and, and he just said, you know, I can hardly go to the grocery store without running into former members of my church. I thought, that, that's not right. That, that we, we've just kind of accepted that, haven't we? When in fact, if you think about Jesus' words, Jesus said, He said that part of the testimony that you all will have as my disciples, apologetics is important, truth is super important, part of the testimony, but really this profound testimony, how you should be known is by the relationships that you have with one another. In fact, he says, have it on the screens there, he says, a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by the love that you have for one another, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's meant to be that that testimony of the church. How do you feel the church is doing with that command? Do you know how many denominations that we have in the United States? Last count, I I Googled it and I think someone counted. Who counts that? Or estimation, but it was 33,000 denominations in the United States. So, like 33,000 times, someone said, You guys, you're horrible. I'm out. I'm doing my own thing. Right? Isn't that how it works, right? We we get upset, we get a hurt, we're in the church, we're serving, we do that. A hurt comes and we do one of a couple of things. We say, I'm out. And we quit the church. I'm sure all of you have friends that have quit the church, right? Relatives that have quit the church. Or we say, I'm out, and we go and find another church. It's close by. There's a church in Washington that we were uh, ministering at and the story of, the, they were a reformed church and there was a group of folks that did not want to participate in the building campaign. They didn't think that they, that we should, they should build the new church and there's such a large group, they were so upset, they left the church and across the street, they built another church. What a beautiful testimony of those two, Right? or we start our own denomination. That's what we do, and yet it it seems, it's wrong, it it feels like the body of Christ reflects the culture far more than the words of Christ Jesus, and that's not okay. If I'm honest, things like that make me want to cling to Jesus and quit on his bride. Okay, if I tell you that? Okay, I won't tell you that. But I decided not to quit. In fact, uh, last year, really wrestling with that, I decided, rather than moan and complain, to at least do something a little bit different, to, to try and just this corner of the kingdom, just to live it in a different way. It seems in some ways insurmountable, but God's in the business of doing the impossible. So last year I decided not to quit and I decided to pursue what I lamented, the opposite of what I lamented, that makes sense? So we're in a series of um, the church you've always wanted. And I think there's a, there's a deep longing in all of us for a particular church. God's put us in that way. And last week, we talked about the holy discontent of the lack of le- life transformation, of really seeing transformation of lives, seeing God work and transform us from the inside out. So we are pursuing Deep spiritual formation. As the Apostle Paul said, he, he's in the child, uh, pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So we are going to go after it and, and seek Christ be formed in us. Right? So the holy discontent this morning is fractured relationships, or even you could say shallow community or a community that's so fragile, that lacks so much commitment, that any pressure, any weight placed on that community or that relationship, then we go. And separate. What would it look like to pursue this little corner of the kingdom, pursue something in opposition to the culture, to really pursue the words of Jesus and say, What? Our testimony will be because of the loving relationships that we share with one another. What would it look like if we, as a body of Christ, pursued sacred friendships and sacred community? What would the testimony be in Colorado Springs and to this broken world? So that's what we're going to do. We're going we're to go after that. We're going to pursue it. We're going to pursue not only deep spiritual formation, but also this sacred community together. And I want to do a few things this morning, briefly. I, I think if we're going to really join God and, and seek and go after the impossible of this sacred community, I think we have to revision just a little bit, revision what relationship is, what community is, what kingdom community should look like. If we don't know what we're going for, we're not going to get there. So we have to revision true, sacred, biblical community. The other thing is we have to talk about, it's my personal conviction that scripture teaches that there is a secret sauce, a secret sauce to biblical community. And I want to talk about that secret sauce. I really can't stand McDonald's, but every once in a while, that secret sauce on the Big Mac, I got to have it, right? (laughs) So there is a secret sauce in biblical community. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to try and get real practical and talk about killers and fillers of sacred community, all right? It's a lot, but we're gonna do it. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Um, And this is the Apostle Paul. He is talking to the Philippians, and they are struggling. They are living the life, and they are facing persecution and suffering in the name of Christ. And so Paul is writing to them for purposes of encouragement. And just before chapter 2, he says this, um, I want you to stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the, fa- uh, um, for the faith of the gospel. He's saying, stay together, strive together. You have one spirit. He does it in other places like Corinthians. Talks about one baptism, so much that is unifying us together. And then chapter two, he says, therefore, and he shares just a, a little picture of this community that he is talking about. Philippians chapter two, verse one says this, therefore, if, any, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you've experienced union with Christ, right? If you have any comfort in his love, he's probably talking about the love of the Father, Love of the Father. If you've experienced and encouraged and experienced that love of the Father, if any common sharing in the Spirit. He's really talking about a Trinitarian community here, right? He's talking about union with Christ, love of the Father, and a common sharing... Of the Holy Spirit, if you've experienced any of that, listen to my words. He says, If any tenderness and compassion, if your heart has been transformed by your experience of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then make my joy complete by being like minded, of one mind, having the the same love. One love, being one in spirit and one in purpose or mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you, uh, each of the interests of the other. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. And then he's gonna go on to share one of the most beautiful passages in all of the New Testament. How Christ emptied himself as a model for us and served one another. But if I go on, we're gonna be here for three hours because I could preach on that next part there. So Logan, you and me can hang out a little bit afterwards. So we're just going to back up a little bit and look at the implications of what he's saying in terms of community. Now, part of community is this idea. Did you notice a repeated word that Paul uses in just those couple of verses? He uses this idea of one. And he uses supporting words of likeness and union with Christ in unity. And and that that strikes me with with a principle that's super important that I often talk about and maybe some of you have heard me talk about in terms of marriage. But I think there's some profound implications of relationships and Christian community together. So I was just meeting with an engaged couple and, and I often talk about Um, the origins of marriage and the purpose of marriage. And I talk about that everybody thinks the purpose of marriage is happiness. And I hope we all experience happiness in marriage, but that's actually not the purpose. If you look back in the story of creation, you see God creating and pronouncing it good, 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 good. And then he gets to one thing that's not good. Do you know what that not good is? He is all alone. Adam is all by himself. So God creates Eve and Adam gets super excited. And then we're told this from the Genesis story. Go to that next slide, Stephen. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is, read that word with me, united to his wife and they become, read that word with me, one flesh. The Purpose of marriage is actually intimacy and so I go over with couples and engaged couples, we talk about physical intimacy but our culture just thinks about sex, right? That's not really um, all there is to intimacy, that's a portion and it's not just all there is to physical intimacy. We talk about spiritual intimacy. We talk about social and intellectual. I spelled that wrong, but it's so small you can't tell, so that's good. Physical, spiritual, social, and intellectual, and um, oh, I did that wrong. It's supposed to be heart and mind. Heart and mind, social, spiritual, and physical. And what I do with couples is oftentimes I ask about where are you, how intimate is your relationship in terms of your spiritual life together? If you are to rate zero to 100. And we do that social and intellectual, heart and mind, physical. I've seen couples that are almost bottomed out and divorce is very, very close. I've seen couples that are very high, the, the, the healthiest couples that I see um, in and around me, I embarrass Calvin and Karen, but they have a heart for this, but it's a beautiful intimacy. In their relationship, right? So there's this unity, there's this oneness, there's this intimacy in marriage. Understand? With me? Scripture does an interesting thing. Scripture takes this idea of oneness and intimacy, and we see it not just in married couples. We see it in friendships. We see it in community. So for example, the story of David and Jonathan, right after David, he's a a young perhaps boy or teenager and he conquers Goliath, we all know the story, right? We miss afterwards Jonathan, the, the son of King Saul, he sees David. And his heart goes out to him. And listen to what scripture says right after the story. After David had finished talking with King Saul, Jonathan came, became one in spirit with David. What? They became soulmates. Not in the cultural sense, in a biblical sense. Jonathan became one in spirit with David. And he loved him as himself. That sounds very New Testament issue, right? He loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David. What? Made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. There was this sacred friendship, this soul connection that happened between Jonathan, who was probably older, and David, this, this connection of love, even a covenant that they would have. Now, some liberal folks will try and talk about sexual overtones. No, it's not in the scriptures. I think what people miss is this idea of biblical oneness. That there was a love and a fondness there that drew them together. And when tons of weight would be put on David and Jonathan's relationship that would struggle, this oneness would keep them together. Even when Jonathan's father, the king, would try and kill David over and over again. There's another beautiful story of Ruth and Naomi. Many of you are familiar with that story where Naomi, she loses her husband and her two sons. One of her sons is married to um, Ruth and the other is Orpah. And she says, go back to your family. We have no connection, Orpah goes. Ruth says, "Uh uh-uh. And she says this to her mother-in-law, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you where you go I will go and where you stay I will stay your people will be my people and your God my God where you die I will die and there I will be buried wow and that was a mother-in-law And then the story goes on and the the community of faith sees Ruth's love for Naomi and they recognize the love of God in her towards her mother-in-law and God blesses that. So much more that Kendra and I, we had those words in our, our marriage. Now, fast forward to Jesus' time. Do you know that Jesus came not only to save souls, but he came to establish a community of faith, a colony of faith. He did not come to establish Lone Ranger Christians. He came to establish a colony here on earth that would represent the fellowship in heaven, on earth. And he goes on to say this, this invitation to oneness. This is his high priestly prayer, uh, John 17. And he says this, my prayer is not for them alone, the disciples, the apostles. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, like you and me. This is a prayer for you and me. That all of them may be, Read that word with me, would you? That's interesting. That's one of his prayers. So we're going after. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That's pretty intimate, right? Jesus, Father, pretty intimate with one another. Father, just as I am in you, me, you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that they... Uh, that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's their testimony. Just as Jesus and the Father have union together so that they, we might have union with one another and God vertical and horizontal and the testimony of the profound difference that Jesus makes not only in the individual life but in the community, in the relationships, in the friendships That are there. I pray that they would be one. Friends, it's my conviction that the church needs a marriage ministry. And many churches have a marriage ministry. It's also my conviction that the church doesn't need to simply minister to singles as well. We need to teach and preach and invite sacred community whether you're single or married. Do you realize that many of the singles in the church feel like they don't belong? They're not experiencing the love, the oneness of God because all we think about is the marriage dynamic and we fail to look at the whole community of faith. Are you with me? It's not okay. It's not okay. What do we do with that? How do we live into that? Real, real quickly, I'll just say this. I'm gonna develop this a little bit at the very end of the message, but Within the New Testament, 56 times, Scripture talks about one another's, one another's. It's an invitation. It says, as community, live, love one another, forgive one another. Here's a, a few examples of this. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Right? There, there's that one another aspect. Friends, we need to start pursuing the one another's towards each other. I am so happy to say that I feel incredibly blessed by a number of relationships in this congregation that I'm growing in this sacred friendship with others. So just asked some of them if I could share. That first one. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Calvin, I already brought him up and I'm going to embarrass him later so I'm going to give him props right now. But this there's a sacred relationship that's happened between me and Calvin. Encourage one another and build each other up. I asked Veda Riley, if I could share, that she's become a sacred friend. In fact, I call her sometimes my sacred friend because the encouragement that she supplies in that truth. Pray for one another. I was thinking of Scott Reese and Peter Grant. These two, they're praying for me on a regular basis And there's a sacred aspect that I'm experiencing with these friendships. And I believe what God wants to do is multiply those sacred friendships and bring a sacred community. All right. We have to keep going, otherwise we're gonna lose time here. Secret sauce, can we talk about the secret sauce of what that is? You take a little thousand island dressing and you mix it, no, 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 a different kind of secret sauce, look at um, that still that verse one, it says sharing in the spirit, like to argue that the community, the biblical community that is meant to be so different is The secret sauce is community of the Spirit. In fact, the the Greek word there is some of you know this Greek word, it's koinonia. So the NIV translates it um, any any common sharing in the Spirit. The message, Eugene Peterson simply translates it the community of the Spirit, the koinonia of the Spirit. That there should be a dynamic of the Spirit of God that takes our friendships and community and sets it apart from all other friendships and community in the rest of the world. Think of it like this. Think of it from a perspective of culture. That there should be a culture of the Spirit Within the church of Jesus Christ that sets it apart from any other community or cultural community. All right, this is where I get to embarrass Calvin. So, Calvin, he was a citizen of New Zealand, he's a Kiwi, right, some of you know that about him, so that's not an insult, you call yourself a Kiwi, right, yeah, okay, now, did you know that he has become a citizen of the United States, official, he has dual citizenship, woohoo, that's great, yes, yeah, he put some work into that, now, he's had to learn that there's some cultural differences, between the United States and New Zealand, is that correct? And being his sacred friend, I've had to learn some of those differences as well. For example, sometimes when we play tennis and he misses a shot, you know what he sh- yells? He yells, pig trotters. <laughs> it's like pig's feet. I, yeah, like a pig trotting along. So now, you know, when I miss a tennis shot, you know what I yell? Now sometimes I yell pig trotters because he's having this effect. So was over at his house the other day and he's showing me he put some good work into his bar- backyard. And there's one area that wasn't yet developed and I said, Calvin, what are you going to do with that area? And he said, oh, I'm going to put a herb garden in there. <laughs> and I said, did you say a herb garden? He said, yes, a herb garden. And so my immediate visual was a white middle-aged man growing out of the soil <laughs> named Herb. And I simply said, you know, it's just my opinion, but frankly, I, I think we have enough herbs in the world. I, I wouldn't create a whole garden up there. So there, there's a, a culture that happens in a little bit in Philippians 3... Paul is going to say, your citizenship is in heaven. Amen. He's going to say that's the truest. In fact, Calvin has a tri citizenship. That the the aspects of heaven we should be living in this world that causes people to go, did you say loving God is the most important thing on the earth, what, what? Did you, you mean after you were hurt so significantly in that relationship, you forgave that person? You still go to church with that person? What, that, that doesn't make any sense humility. Did did you just say you're, you're trying to be humble? No, you should stand up for your rights and demand. That doesn't make any sense. You see, the citizenship, the culture of heaven should be causing the people to go a herb garden. What are you talking about? And to see that dynamic, real, real quickly, the, the idea of presence and power. Presence of the Spirit of God and the fruit of God. First Corinthians 12, 13, Paul again is talking about oneness. And he says, for we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body. Boy, he likes that word, doesn't he? Whether Jews or Greeks slave or free, our citizenship uh, trumps all of the the normal social ways that we would divide one another. And we were all given one spirit to drink. What does that mean? That means the presence of God is like this, this watering hole that we should come to on a Sunday morning. And we should drink deeply of his presence. That if someone doesn't know any of the citizenship of heaven and they're in our worshiping community, go, what, what is that woman, Brittany, doing up there? She's loving on the God she's singing to. What? The the fruit of the Spirit, the the kindness, the love, the forgiveness, the long suffering. The King James talks about that in the fruit. There should be a long suffering, this dynamic that happens in our community of faith that, that people can take and bite into and go, man, that's a good piece of fruit right there. It's good. Power and gifts. He also says, now to each one, the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. He's talking about gifts that our community of faith should be a place where these supernatural gifts are being lived out. I think there's anointing with Natalie as she was playing that you could just, you, you could, could you feel that? It's a gift. Of God. So a member of our congregation a couple of weeks ago had a word of knowledge or a vision for me, and she shared it. It, it was so moving to me. The Lord encouraged my soul through that giftedness of that person. This community of faith should have that kind of supernatural presence and gifts that are happening, that happens no other place. That's the secret sauce. Finally, this, look at verse three with me, Paul. He does name some things that are gonna get in the way. He says, um, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. You see, friends, there are things that will kill our biblical community. There are things that will rob us and selfish ambition and vain conceit, as Paul names, are right at the the heart of it. Any sense of of uh, competition or jealousy, or insensitivity, all of that. There's, there's some do-nots that he says continually. Galatians 5, 26, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. There, there's some do-nots that, that are, are present in there. Again, back to Francis Chan's book, he was saying, Where did, when did we start critiquing absolutely everything in our culture. Have you noticed that we have become that, right? So when, uh, when we get a red box, when we're looking at titles of movies, you know where I am on my phone? Rotten Tomatoes, because there's all these people that have critiqued that, right? Or if you go to a restaurant, you know, there's apps you can find. People have critiqued that. You, you see that? You're on Amazon Prime, Right? greatest thing since sliced bread there, there's all these people that have reviewed who has the time for that right but you can go to that and friends i think that's happening in the church and we haven't been careful and it's become judgmental and now we're criticizing one another when did that start And should we ask the question, there's some things that we should not do that our culture does. This subtle division that takes place there. And of course, in verse 3, he points us to the ultimate due of the humility of Christ. Romans 12, 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves, more one another's. Did you know in the ancient world humility was seen as a weakness? Did you know that that was a you should not do you never show humility and then Christ came. And he transformed the culture into what was seen as a a weakness into a virtue. And since that time, he has said, you will take your cues from how I have loved you, how I have treated you, not as the world. Friends, we're going to have to bring change because we're taking our cues from culture rather than Christ amen all right so i'm going to get real practical i'm going to invite some couples up real briefly so we're running out of time but we're going to do this by way and i want one other picture for you we're gonna we're starting a, a, a new ministry a new dynamic of ministry that's gonna look different. And a big reason we're starting this is because we're hoping that sacred friendship and sacred community, we learn better from this. We're doing something we're calling Kingdom Life Communities. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with everything you've got. And we're gonna invite people to learn what it means to live together in the up. What's the second greatest commandment? Love one another. Love your neighbors as yourself. This idea of up is we're going to learn to love God. We're going to learn to love one another. And our neighbors might not be fellow Christians. We're going to learn out. Out. And we're going to have, we're going to start just three Kingdom Life communities. And we are going to, um, we're going to learn together between 15 and 30 people in homes. It's going to be like a home fellowship. And we're going to rotate loving God, loving one another, and loving the broken world. And you can sign up that, for that. If, if all of you signed up, we wouldn't be able to take you all in the group, right? So just, but I, I want you to start praying for this because we're gonna start pushing into this and learning this, right? And we're praying that as we begin to share a life together in a home, as we get to know one another better than we can do on a Sunday morning where there's all there, we're gonna learn the one another's of Christ Jesus. We're going to invite the secret sauce of the Holy Spirit into these times. That we're going to learn what it means to to walk with one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens. For the sake of time, I just want to ask, there's three couples. With those three couples that are leading the, um, I'm one of them with my wife. Would you just stand up where you're at right now? And we have the Robins, and we have the Rileys over there. And we're going to start these. Can you just extend your hand? And I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray over the couples. All right, let's do this. So Jesus, we've heard your words and we confess that we have been living relationships more so based on the culture around us than your commands, Christ Jesus, to us. Forgive us, forgive us. Lord, would you fill and empower these couples to lead these home fellowships to to sacred community and sacred relationships? Would your your presence and power be rich in those moments? When there's one of us that's living in uh, conceit or selfishness Would you not allow the communities to be broken, but to love and forgive and be transformed? Lord, would you use these couples to teach kingdom life, citizenship of heaven, true life. Amen. If you feel so led... You can find out the communities that are happening. You could sign up for one of those if you'd like. I encourage you to pray about that and think about that. It was the night that Jesus was betrayed. That he was with his disciples. And he wanted to give this beautiful sacrament in a way that his disciples could experience union with him unlike any other thing on earth that because of his death and sacrifice that we could commune and you know he didn't give it to them individually he gave it to them as a community he gave The sacrament, not as individuals, but together, that together we could experience union with Christ and union with one another. He took the bread. After he blessed it, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in a similar way, he, after dinner, took the cup and he said, This is a new covenant, a new relationship, a new intimacy that is available to you that looks like any other covenant and community in the world, relationship in the world, do this in remembrance of me. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are part of a community, a community that should know and love God the Father, the great intimacy, and one another. Can we take together His broken body, His shed blood, and experience Him as a community of faith? Elders, if you would come forward. As you feel so led, go to the station that is before your section.